Alright, welcome to the On To Something Podcast. My name is Zane, and we are in a new series for Season 3 of the On To Something Podcast, in which we are calling this the Infinity Stone Challenge. And here's what we mean by that. Uh, in the Marvel movies, you will find that there are these six stones called the Infinity Stones that tie together all of the stories across the Marvel Universe. And any time that these small stones with massive power are used, the plot line of the story changes. So just to be fun, these are six conversations that happen all the time in the first third of life. It's different practices, different postures towards the world, different things that I find myself constantly having conversations with people about. And these could be the things that if you tap into the stuff that we talk about for each week, it's almost a guarantee that your plot line of your story will change in some small or big way. So hope you enjoy this series. And without further ado, let's jump into it. Our instincts reveal today's infinity stone. Let's start by talking about three different ways that I've seen these instincts actually manifest themselves. To make it fun, I'll, I'll give you a, a different title for each. The first instinct is the Star Wars instinct. The second is the Big Times instinct. And then the third one is a hard question instinct. Which one do you want to go ahead and start with? Great. I'm glad you chose that one. I'll start with that one. Instinct number one, the Big Times. The first instinct involves a professor in the syllabus. I recently had a friend who was recounting a conversation he had had with an individual that was finishing their uh, master's in business and administration. As they were discussing the program, he asked a couple of questions about his studies. His reading list sounded like this all-star reading list that had all the big key players on it. Global economics, advanced accounting, data analytics, but at the very end of the bench, the last book called up on the floor didn't seem to fit with the others. It contained one word, a small word, for many an insignificant word. Its cover simply read, prayer. My friend assured me it was purposeful, though. When people inquired to the professor of why this book on prayer would be brought into this setting, especially with a college that didn't have any religious affiliation, the professor explained that no other book could teach young leaders what they needed to know. What might be the thing that this professor found so valuable that everyone needed to know? He explained that the fundamentals of making an important decision are taught in a book like this. The professor swore that when it came to slowing down, grasping the current realities of a situation, and knowing oneself to make a solid decision, no other topic could teach as well as the book on prayer. What's the instinct I want you to catch? Prayer seems to always directly or indirectly be thrown into the mix when it comes to making big decisions. Hold on to that. Let's get to instinct number two. This one is a little bit heavier. A hard question. The second instinct is kind of personal for me. Our family went through a loss this past year. My wife's father, who was an incredible man that created worlds for people, finished his time in this world. He had been wrestling with cancer over the past couple of years, and last spring, even though his spirit never got down 
we reached the point where his body was slowly shutting down. What was projected as a couple of days in the beginning ended up being several very long and hard weeks. There's a moment I still won't forget in those final days. We were all tired, a little bit exhausted. I can't imagine what Jim was feeling on his end. And as eerie as it was, it was almost as if we were waiting in the house they had lived in for the unwanted reality to become reality. As we worked around the clock to make sure that he was as comfortable as he could be, we reached a point where one of the nurses took my mother-in-law aside and informed her, there's nothing else that we can do. Even to ease this process for him, we must simply wait. Sober and slightly heartbroken, empty-handed, and no more solutions to choose from, she turned to me and asked if we could pray over him for his final hours. The request honestly kind of caught me off guard. My profession invites me into spaces like this to grieve alongside other people. This time, though, I wasn't stepping in and out of someone's grief. I was living in my own. And I remember as she asked me that, I was internally thinking, do I even have any words to be able to say in front of this family and also to God? What still has me left in a little bit of wonder is when I grabbed my father-in-law's hand and how when we had no more words to fill the room, the words of prayer were able to fill the room. We'd come to the end of the rope for us as a family. We were out of options. We had no more words. Prayer just gave us some words that everything else kind of felt empty. And the rest of that day was hard. Even as I think back on it, it's kind of difficult for me. But I do remember one feeling after I prayed over my father-in-law. Stability. We were all going to be okay. He was going to be okay. I was going to be okay. The family was going to be okay. This would hurt, but this would not end us. That moment for me is a picture. A picture of how when we run out of words to say, for some reason, we still reach for more. But those words come in the form of prayer. Hold on to that one as well. Instinct number three. We call this one the Star Wars instinct. At the time that this podcast is being recorded, it's been several months since the Star Wars movie has came out. And one of the things I secretly love to do is guess what other people's reactions are going to be to like massive movies like this. And after seeing this movie, I suspected that people would be having conversations with me about lightsaber duels and spaceships and uh, what new characters would be coming out, you know, because the Porks were just utterly brilliant. Surprisingly, though, all anyone wanted to talk about in this world, and spoilers is about to happen, all people wanted to talk about was Kylo Ren and Rey and their ability to connect back and forth with each other periodically throughout the movie. This is the piece that stood out to everyone when I was asking, what did you love so much about the movie? Two realizations kind of hit me at this point. One, I must be extremely shallow because all I want to talk about after a Star Wars movie is the lightsaber duels. I guess I'm the only one that just needs some Chewbacca in my life. But the second thing was, it deeply resonates with people to have a mystical form of connection. If you haven't seen the scenes that I'm referring to, which, by the way, if you haven't seen this movie, then you may be hiding underneath that rock that we talked about earlier. The two main characters have these moments throughout the movie where it's just a split second of connection. It's a moment that even though they're in two different places, they're on the same wavelength. Everything around them still exists 
but internally they are still and they are making eye contact with each other. They're able to stare each other face to face. And many times they don't even say anything to each other. Oh, but they're communicating. It's an image of the practice of unique and mystical presence. Time and time again, I've heard people talk about how much they love these scenes and how meaningful they are to them. The instinct, though, is that even left to our imaginations, when there are no limits to our creativity, one of the deepest imageries we still reach for and resonate with is a mystical connection where two beings stare each other face to face. It's an instinctual image, a lot like the image that we have with prayer. Now, what's the point of bringing all these instincts together? Let me try to wrap it up for you. We resonate these stories with mystical connection. We reach out for a different type of talking when our talking can't do anything more for us. And when it's time to make a decision, the decision process always involves someone beyond ourselves. Here's my conclusion. What do we indirectly, instinctually, and sometimes unexpectedly need in life? Prayer. We can't stay away from it. We can't replace it. And it's something that needs a place in our lives, including the first third of our lives. And the worst part is our souls will keep begging for it in a thousand different ways until we engage this thing called prayer. Welcome to the Soul Stone. I remember reading a few years ago that one in three people, even though they don't even believe in a divine being, still admit that they accidentally pray on occasions. Many, if I had to guess, maybe just pray in case there is someone that's listening. But it's fascinating to me how instinctual it is to us, even though most of us would say the act of it is not very natural when we actually try to focus on praying. Over walking with people over the years, I've found this instinct naturally comes out in moments that I like to call pivot points. Moments where our backs are up against the wall and we have no choice but to change our normal mode of operation. The list of what a pivot point could be could be just a thousand different things. Uh, the loss of someone, a breakup, a new job, an unexpected situation, a move, I don't know, maybe an overwhelming virus that we don't know what to do with, that one I just made up. But what's difficult though is that in these pivot point moments, these life-changing, these things will never be the same moments in life. These are the moments when we reach for prayer, but most of the time we don't reach for it in any other time, which makes prayer feel very awkward and clunky and sometimes a waste of time. It's almost as if we're trying to speak a foreign language when we need to communicate the most, but people still reach for prayer in their life. One of the questions I've wondered is, why doesn't everyone, especially those in the first third of life, if they know prayer is something they're going to reach for, even if it's the last thing they reach for in their life, why don't they start it now? And here's the best shot to answering that question that I have. We are trained in doing, not being. We're trained in doing, not being. Prayer naturally pushes us against the ways that we form people in this third of life. Think about self-help, self-identity, self-improvement, self-care. All these words are big movements right now. 
in many ways, it makes sense that this is true because you're kind of in this gathering stage of life trying to build self. But the byproduct of this stage of life is the first word in all of the words I just listed to you. Self. We're trained from the moment we wake up in our Power Ranger pajamas. Like I've said before, this is not a personal experience. I've just heard rumors that people do this. When we wake up in our Power Ranger pajamas, we're supposed to be doing something with ourselves. Even the most basic question you ask people is, how are you doing? Sometimes I feel like what we're really asking behind how are you doing is, what are you doing with your life? (laughs) isn't this the internal dialogue in our head what do i gotta do to reach this next accomplishment what's the next requirement i need to knock out what's the next step of life that i need to do what's the next skill i need to gather prayer pushes against this orientation of life though because it's not about doing it's about being prayer is about being to be with yourself and with god not doing something with yourself and doing something with God. Understandably, this conflicts against our natural orientation against the world. I mean, how many times have you or someone else walked away from prayer and thought, this isn't doing anything? And you're exactly right, because it's not about doing. It's not about doing anything for us. It's about being before someone other than us. And maybe a simpler way is to just say it like this. Prayer is the art of being with self more than it is doing something for yourself. And trust me, your soul needs this more than you know. Why? Because most of your life, you're going to be in settings where people poke and prod and evaluate you on the question of what are you contributing to the world? Do, do, do. Prayer, though, even if you're not sure how you feel about God, is an opportunity to not be a human doing, but a human being. As one author of mine put it a long time ago, if you choose to do something like prayer, if you go against the grain of the world, you better prepare yourself to receive a few splinters. Prayer honestly is really hard. And the experience that I have in this world, I haven't found prayer to be something that no one's tried and no one finds important. I've actually found it to be the opposite. Many have tried prayer and many have walked away feeling disappointed with it. And why is this? After, you know, walking with people and feeling this also with myself, I can't help but think we're probably not prepared for what all is happening and what may not be happening in the midst of our prayers. I must say that there's been several groups along my journey who, when they talk about prayer, I feel a little bit of a sense of just uh, ashamed or incapable or not intellectual enough or disciplined enough or in tune with God just because I don't find what they find in the midst of prayer. Kind of secretly on my worst days, I think I sum up people in two different camps when it comes to prayer. There's the uh, intellectuals and then there's the mountain movers. Let me kind of describe each of them in my uh, in my cynical state. The mountain movers are people that talk about prayer like it's this hot and fast romantic relationship where every prayer experience to me seems like it's intense, uh, almost like it's like warning. If you sit down, your life will just be wrecked and God will be talking in ways that you've never encountered before and like, oh, you better be ready for that. 
And I can say I've I've had instances where I can understand where the mountain movers come from because there's been unexplainable encounters, moments of comfort, words that I can't explain. But those don't make up a majority of the instances that I've encountered when engaging in prayer. And the other camp I can't say is better, and sometimes the camp really likes to present itself as once you move away from the mountain movers, this is what you are to achieve. These are kind of the people that talk about prayer in a more like intellectual, nuanced, uh, it's something that you repeat and do through. They insist that mature prayer isn't exciting or life-giving. Prayer's not complicated. You're just making it complicated. Prayer isn't meant to actually do anything. It's changing you, if anything else. All of those things are probably dependable or defendable and <laughs> dependable. Uh, all those things are probably defendable in a paper. But to me, those things just really don't seem to be helpful for me to actually get my butt in a chair and start doing the work of prayer. So where does it leave us? It's not one camp and it's not the other. What should we expect to bring to the table of prayer? What about prayer will honestly just even bring us to the table? And can we actually expect anything to walk away with us when prayer, when we leave the table? So let me clarify the first thing. Uh, first with prayer, uh, you don't have to be at a table. The table was just metaphorical. That was me trying to be artistic. I know, best shot that I had. Um, so first, just know there's no table involved. Second, I found that prayer, the one thing we can lean into with it is a word. And the word is awareness. There was a great thinker who once said this phrase that has stuck around longer than that Laffy Taffy that you consumed in second grade. And I've found this extremely helpful in my journey. And here's the helpful nugget, the phrase that he has spoken. To know God is to know self. And to know self is to know God. To know God is to know self. And to know self is to know God. Now, let me make that a little less spiritually sounding and make it a little more helpful sounding. Knowing yourself and knowing God are interconnected. What you come to learn about yourself in all the best ways that you are as a human is a taste of the living and breathing God. The instincts, the characteristics are just a taste of someone that is beyond you. Oh, and here's some good news about that as well. All the not-so-great things about you that you come to learn about yourself mature you, reform you, and also find a way to point you towards a need with God. It seems like there's some things in life that are almost unavoidable, that there needs to be some type of outside force or energy that we can actually move from point A to point B, and that we can't just do it on our own. And we can also flip this phrase. We don't have to start with you. We can also start with God, which I would recommend is probably a better place to start. Encountering God intrinsically makes us know ourselves more. When we encounter the one who is not like us, we actually start to see what the image of ourselves look like in comparison to the one who isn't like us. And there's plenty of ancient texts that have revealed to us that encountering God, you will find some type of change, shift, or something revealed about yourself that you didn't know until you were in the presence 
of God. The more you come to know yourself, the greater the cravings, the questions, the imprint of God that you'll find yourself searching for in life. And how does one come to know more about themselves or God? By sitting by themselves, with themselves, in prayer with God. What should bring our butts to the chair, the couch, the ground, the beanbag chair, or whatever you desire to pray in? It's an opportunity for awareness. If anything, you will find awareness of yourself in sitting in the presence of the invisible God that is revealed through Jesus. But you can also seek the awareness of God's presence and movement in your life by praying. Let me put it on bottom shelf for you. If there's nothing else, even within a time of prayer of just five minutes, every breath you take in that stale silence is awareness of the movement of God in your life. You do not control breath. At least you don't control it for very long. And if these are the expectations and the motivators that at least bring us to the table to know that awareness of self and awareness of God can come through prayer, then let me speak to what do we actually do within the space that we create for prayer. I've had a faraway coach in my prayer life the past couple of years who loves ancient thinkers. Uh, my Spotify top uh, listens include uh, very forming people like Selena Gomez and uh, Khalid, you know, the uh, heroes of our day. And if I had to guess, his Spotify listens would be filled with voices of ancient mystics, uh, kind of people like John of the Cross, you know, writers and thinkers from the very past who dedicated their entire lives to being in union with God. I'm still convinced that he's missing out as far as Selena Gomez and Khalid, but, you know, I mean, who would not love the song 18? But anyways, um, I'm convinced he's missing out, but I must admit, I get to learn a lot from him from what he learns from their voices. One of the things in which I've heard him echo through these writers is the early definition of prayer. And I want you to soak in his paraphrasing of the definition of prayer, because this is what is the ending of this podcast, but what is the beginning of a prayer life. This definition of prayer has so much history that it would make you and your ex blush. And the definition answers how when it comes to prayer. And here it is. Prayer is lifting our hearts and our minds to God. That's it. People spent years developing that, and that's what it is. Prayer is lifting our hearts and minds to God. So here's my, here's my thought to you. Don't get distracted by things like form and time and wording. All of those things will come with time and with practice. And don't get lost in trying to make prayer effective or making it in a way that it's something that you can get out of. If you're working in that place, you're most likely going to walk away from that place disappointed. The starting place that will get you into the rhythm of sitting or walking in the presence of the living God is sitting with yourself and lifting your heart and your mind to God. It's being able to articulate to God how you feel about the world that God has created right now.
one of the biggest obstacles this coach talks about in the early development of prayer life is thinking that we need to have the right time or the right mood or the right mindset to be able to pray. And nothing could be further from the truth. The most engaged prayer is where you allow God to stare you in the face as you bring up whatever emotion, whatever mindset, and whatever feeling you're facing. Prayer is not just our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Prayer is also, God, I'm completely thrown off and I'm pissed right now. Divine Mother, I'm anxious over what I'm going to do this afternoon with this situation that's inevitable. Maker of heaven and earth, I'm ready for something new and different to happen in my life. I know many ways, and especially people that are in church circles, this uh, this almost feels too simplistic when uh, prayer is talked about, and there is a lot of complexities and layers that come with prayer. But why we start here and why I would encourage those of you who aren't in a regular rhythm to start in such a basic way is one, when we lift our minds and our heart to God, you are participating in gaining awareness of where you currently are in the world, which is awareness of yourself. And second of all, it gives you the ability to practice handing over your mind and heart to someone other than yourself. You can't do this form of prayer wrong because it's literally your heart and your mind. There's no way to get it wrong other than not presenting your heart and mind to God. And this process will help us be able to discover the why. And you're like, well, how am I going to discover anything about God in the midst of that? Find the why behind why you feel a certain way in the world and bringing that into silence, which we as Christians have always claimed is full of God, not empty of God, and you may just bump into or find God with it. Now, as I come to a close, I want to recognize right now that in this time of distance, sorry if you're listening to this way later, um, but right now in this time of social distance, I think we can close the distance of what we feel towards prayer. And if you're the type of person that's like, I understand this, but I need a very simple action step that helps me move towards it here. This is why we've created the email list. I've drafted a really simple practice. This is the practice that when I sit down with people and uh, we talk about prayer and they're walking away from the table and needing to do it for this next week that's ahead, this is the number one recommendation that I give right now. And you can go and you can add yourself to the email list and you'll get that. And that's kind of our rhythm that we have with the challenges. But the thing that I want to leave you with is I highly, highly, highly suggest this is the season to be able to practice lifting our heart and our mind to God. Because if anyone knows where we need stability, where we need discernment, where we need mystical union is in times right now. My guarantee to you is there is no doubt something that you can become aware of and you have access to it right now with prayer. I can't encourage you enough of this practice because it will help you move from always being a human doing to a human being. And if you do prayer, you never know what prayer might do to your soul.
or rather, who is with your soul? This has been episode one, The Soul Stone. Friends, peeps, migos, glad that we got to spend this time together. Like I said, there's a challenge that we have for you as far as if you want to figure out a next step or if you want to know what's something that when I sit across the table with people and we're talking about prayer life, what's kind of the easy next thing to go to? If you're a part of the Infinity Stone Challenge, this is also your challenge for the week. So it is easy to be able to engage. All you got to do is go to our Instagram bio. And if you click on the link that's up there in the top left corner, you can sign up to be a part of our email list. If you run into any problems, you can also direct message us or send us an email as well. And if you did not hear about the Infinity Challenge last week or the swag that we're handing out with it, we've still got a couple of more buttons that you can also have, whether that is DMing us or emailing us. We'll keep sharing them until we run out of them. So you can grab one or you can just stare at them as everyone else reps them. So until next week, friends, may we remember that we are all on to something.